Welcome to the club pool. It is currently in user Sir Reginald McFowl's personal money pit. I don't know who told them it was a good idea to fill it with gold doubloons and bars. Joffrey is completely submerged and I hope he is okay. Well, not really. Anyways, here is episode 3 of Outrageously Unnecessary. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary, the podcast. Um, welcome to Technical Difficulties, the podcast. This is our second attempt at recording this. Um, so we actually have a pretty special treat for you today. Uh, it is me, Haley, here. And Katie is actually out uh, dealing with her air conditioner being incredibly broken. Uh, so instead, my special treat for you is to have two guests with me, my two good friends. I've got Trevor. Hello. And Steven. What's up, guys? <laughs> good intros, guy. Good intros. Um and so I'm going to have them share some some good little snippets and outrageously unnecessary things for you. Uh, how's everyone feeling about about recording 2.0? <laughs> I'm feeling great. I feel so much more solid. <laughs> well, thank God for that. So, yeah, so um, before I get into my thing, I just really quickly want to say that Trevor and I have been watching like six hours of the newest season of The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> and <laughs> and because of all of these really, really fancy pastries, I damn near changed my topic to like finding the world's most obnoxious pastries. But oh, I was like, no, nice. no, no, I, I don't I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I won't do that. Um, so that might be something in the future, because I got really excited about the fact that Trevor and I actively sought out uh, a French pastry shop and then bought ourselves like good little tarts. And <laughs> very nice. <laughs> I know. So six and a half dollars well spent. Um. Yeah. Per so person or was that for both? Per person. Yeah. The Ooh. treats were about six bucks per treat. Yeah. But they were very intense treats. Like they were, I feel, worth the money. Maybe Trevor feels less inclined that they're worth the money, but. I'm also very cheap. So <laughs> mine is definitely like it was it was well worth three and a half to four dollars. Right. But for the for the taste. For the size, I would say that's that's kind of what I would say. If it was a little bit bigger than six dollars would be no problem. I feel like you would definitely pay like six and a half dollars at a restaurant for yeah. like that as a dessert, though. So part of me is like, I'd pay for this anyways. No, I, I, I think the pricing is what it would be at a, at a normal fancy place. But I just also very rarely buy dessert. I know. <laughs> so I'm I've telling been you taking what you I would it. want to play. What to I, pay. <laughs> and I've been taking you to like relatively more expensive restaurants than, than normal. <laughs> Normally I'm like $2 tacos, but I've been like, oh, Trevor's here. I should take him somewhere nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I don't think Trevor wants somewhere nice, but God damn it. He's getting that anyways. Hey, okay. Trevor deserves to be treated. <laughs> treat I'm yourself. paying it myself. <laughs> treat yourself, Trevor. Treat yourself. But you're on vacation, so <laughs> you deserve it. I'm taking another vacation in a month. I have to conserve. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh -oh. her fault for packing them so close together. That is true. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so I figured let's go ahead and get into it. Um, so for another Trevor and Haley story, I'm going to go ahead and say this does have to do with my topic. Uh, we went to a three story costume mansion yesterday. And Ooh. I know. Yeah, you would have loved it, Stephen. It is oh every cosplayer's God. dream. I'm so jealous. So jealous. (laughs) It is it is quite legitimately every cosplayer's dream. I love this place. And basically what it is, is it's an old like Victorian mansion that has been converted where each room is uh, dedicated to a certain theme. So like saloon slash Western is in one room and like Victorian goth is in another and medieval is in one room. And then you go upstairs and it's like disco and wigs and whatever. And they have everything uh, from like Party City, like get this out of a backpack to like you are going through and getting Excalibur for 200 bucks. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. And um, it it really kind of got me thinking of like, how much money am I willing to spend in this place? And I thought about last Halloween when I went there and I went as a satyr and I got myself $50 fuzzy pants like they are furry and they have like padding on the hips and I looked like a satyr, but that was only like 50 bucks and that was about as expensive as I was willing to like go on pants and um I just it, I really don't know how much money I'd be willing to spend on a really good cosplay. So, like, what do you guys think is reasonable for for getting a decently exact cosplay going? 150 bucks. Easy. 150 bucks for you yeah. uh, for 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 accurate to a character. Um, yeah, probably 150 to 200 bucks. OK, yeah. mine would very much depend if I'm playing someone who's like. um. I don't know, it has like a standard amount of clothing, maybe like two layers, uh, you know, something that would that would just be a kind of your standard cosplay outfit. I'd bump mine up a little bit if I'm going for like really photorealistic kind of thing, maybe 200. Um, and then if I was doing something that's like this immaculate, I don't know, like you need like steel and like like you really need to go all out. I'd bump it to three to three fifty if it's like a really big undertake. That didn't that wasn't structured well, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> really big undertaking. 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 Yeah. undertaking. The undertaking was big. <laughs> Need a nap there, Trevor. Um so I feel like that's reasonable. That's a reasonable amount. What what would you do if you could just Take a photo and just kind of hand it over to someone who makes really good costumes and say, I want period appropriate materials and I want this like make me Marie Antoinette. I want the ball gown. You're getting me a wig. I want people to be like, holy shit, she just stepped out of a time machine. How much would you say that would probably cost? What what time frame are we thinking? Like like way back. So the the instance that I am speaking of, because this is something that quite legitimately happened, was in 1897 at the Devonshire Fancy Dress Ball, which uh, fancy dress means costume in uh, the English uh, 
repertoire. I can't in, think of a in, word. In olden speak. Lexicon. In, that, in, old, in old Victorian. Well, it still means, fancy dress still means that. Like, I've, I've heard British YouTubers, like, say that. That's what I just said, lexicon or vernacular. Vernacular. Mm, that's yeah. the word I was looking for. Um, yeah, and uh, basically the Victorians... And I will get to what they were wearing, but I can tell you right now, they spent in 1897 money roughly a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds per outfit for yeah in 1897 money which I'm fairly certain is like twenty thousand dollars today. So that's a lot. But what happened was uh, the Victorian upper class just they they did not go to the nearest spirit Halloween store. They didn't even go to the nice costume mansion downtown that Trevor and I went to and were like, oh, let's pick out these individual pieces. No, this was going to Comic-Con where you're at the you're at the actual costume competition where everyone has spent like a few hundred to thousand dollars on making your mech costume that isn't that cgi what (laughs) Um, shouldn't you be a drawing what um yeah so on july 2nd 1897 the duchess of devonshire held a costume ball at her mansion to celebrate queen victoria's diamond jubilee year uh diamond jubilee means the 60th year of reign um And at least 200 of the guests were photographed in their costumes. Uh, And among the guests were princes and princesses of England, which were the children of Queen Victoria, because Queen Victoria had become an extreme social recluse at this point. Uh, Basically, the moment that Prince Albert died, she was like, "Mm, nothing in life is worth living anymore. Let my children go in my stead. Uh, Let's see, who else was at this party? There was the Tsar of Russia. There were like 20 different countesses and duchesses and dukes and everything and um there was a prompt in the invitation of what kind of costume you had to wear this was this was a themed costume ball you had to wear an allegorical or historical costume dated earlier than 1820 so that's pretty solid. Mm, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's not just like asking your mom for like some of her uh, her eighties garb. Yeah, like yeah, like vintage eighties <laughs> garb. Like, mom, do you have a jean jacket and like a really big scrunchie I can wear? No, <laughs> I wore it yesterday. You I could wore borrow it yesterday. <laughs> mm, vintage. No, this is like I want you to pull out all the stops, and you're not allowed to dress as anything earlier than like the nineteen forties nowadays. Right. <laughs> like. I don't want to see anything earlier than World War II (laughs) or anything later than World War II. Damn it. Uh, (laughs) Any earlier. If you come in that 1920s, you're out of here. In that flapper's dress, I'm kicking your ass out. I said it wrong. I'm sorry. It's okay. We forgive. (laughs) So... Basically, all of her guests were like, all right, then guess I'm cracking open a history book. And uh, they divided themselves into four basic time periods. There was Elizabethan, uh, which not today, Elizabethan. Uh, wouldn't that be funny? Just like the age. You got to guess. <laughs> <laughs> which, this Elizabeth didn't exist yet. Um <laughs> 
that's the future party right there. Yeah, that's the future party. Uh, Louis the Fourteenth. There was uh, was the next court Maria Theresa of Austria slash Catherine the Second of Russia, uh, and that was paired with other groups of quote unquote Italians. <laughs> Which I enjoy that the Italians are in quotes. Yes, yes, quote Italians. You can't. You're like, oh, I'm dressed as Catherine de Medici, and you're like. Is that Italian? Like, eh, yeah. Go stand with the Italians. Go stand yeah. with the Italians. Uh, so apparently the Italians kind of bundled up all together, like characters from history and uh, literature. Uh, so you, you can go as something not real. You don't have to be a person from history. You can go for, for some fiction. Um, and then the, the last group was quote unquote Orientals. Which has aged so well. Oh, oh, so good. Just like a, just like a, just a, just a great milk. That's how that's aged. <laughs> yeah. So sour. <laughs> yeah. Nice and chunky. Just a nice fine milk. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the, the steam smell lines wafting oh, off God, of that. Oh, God, steam. You made it so Ugh. much worse. They're going to say like, I can see the separation, the whatever, but you went with steam. I went with steam. Gross. I, th- I was thinking more of like a cartoonish like you can see the smelly lines going up into the air oh, okay <laughs> which to me is like well it's gotta be a little steamy huh? like it's definitely green wavy lines <laughs> but uh but the orientals uh group included uh characters from like middle eastern culture um like super ancient, like if you were doing Hanging Gardens of Babylon type deal, it would fall under, I think, Orientals. Don't quote me on that. Um, so let's think about for a second. This is 1897. Uh, this is before Google existed to show like an exact costume. Like you can't just pull up Star Wars and be like, OK, I want I want a TIE fighter pilot right. outfit. Yep. Like, give me this. And like you're just sitting there drawing like, OK, I need these little tube pipes and I got to do this thing. And no, uh, basically what they did uh, was they had a book that had been written about a decade before called fancy dresses described comma or what to wear at fancy dress balls oh. <laughs> and i really just enjoy that title a lot <laughs> what to wear at fancy dress balls written in 1887 uh and <laughs> i fucking love this book so much because the <laughs> entire thing is available online and i went through a lot of it because it's an alphabetical list of costume ideas and then a description of what you would need to wear in order to like have the proper costume on. And so listed in this in this book, we have um, three whole pages dedicated to women of history named Anne. So it's like Anne, comma, Boleyn, Anne, comma, Chamberlain. And you're like, Oh my, three pages of that. And comma, Hathaway. And comma, <laughs> Actually, Hathaway. that's Shakespeare's wife, so sure. Oh shit, you're right. I was making a joke, but you could very easily go as Anne Isn't Hathaway. actual Anne Hathaway married to a dude named William? That, um, I think so, but also he looks strikingly like William Shakespeare in paintings. So everyone thinks that they are both immortal <laughs> and that they've just been kicking it for years. Distinctly possible. Where is their son named Hamnet? That was William Shakespeare's son's name was Hamnet. He died. <laughs> That's why he gave you that look. Oh, no. 
That was the one that died. <laughs> so you're like, where's Hamnet? And he's like, oh, after 500 years, it still stings. <laughs> oh, I fucked up. Sorry, William. It's okay. He's dead. It is. No, he's Maybe. still a Maybe. Uh, okay, what else are listed in here? Uh, oh, you can be a white duck where you have to wear all white and hopefully have white feathers somewhere on your skirt. You need to be wearing yellow shoes and, quote, a small cap like a duck's head with a frog in its beak, unquote. With a frog in its beak? Yeah, you have to be wearing a duck hat that is has a frog in its beak. You're not a white duck unless you have the frog. Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> Um, let's see. There's also you could be a bottle of champagne where it lists two different outfits that could be bottle colors because bottles come in different colors. Uh, of course. Of mm-hmm. course. Um, I really liked the listing where it was Elizabeth, comma, queen, comma, ghost of. <laughs> so if you want to be the ghost of Queen Elizabeth, here you go. That just makes me think that they wrote like they wrote the Queen, comma, Elizabeth, and then like left it there. And then as time went by, they were like, oh, she's she's really pale. I don't know. Do you <laughs> think? So? And then she, they asked her, like, you're Queen Elizabeth, right? And she's like, I'm the ghost. And they're like, oh, yes, of course, madam. And had to go like scratch in <laughs> the ghost of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also listed in the book, we have bacon, comma, lady. Uh, and I didn't see the comma and I definitely thought that it was a bacon lady. And it just made me think of like the, the party city Halloween like costume catalog where it's just a dude in a ginormous bacon outfit. And I was like, Oh God, I want to see the Victorian version of that. Yes. So what that, what that instantly made me think of was like, cause I'm thinking like of history now, like me and them, them saying like nothing after the 40s and i think oh bacon lady so it was like a female porky pig type situation <laughs> oh yeah uh-huh. yeah and, full yeah. on porky pig and yeah. no pants no pants just that blue blazer and the red uh, bow tie mm-hmm. and then they're like ah for legal reasons bacon lady <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you know that all of like the the Halloween costumes nowadays, like the name on the bags. Yeah, we saw one and it it couldn't say legally Beetlejuice or the uh, the girl that Lydia. Yeah, yeah, that that Renona White. Say her name. Winona Ryder. Man, my brain wouldn't figure that out. Words are hard. Um, Yeah, but it said Beetle Boss. And Beetle Lady, <laughs> but obviously the no. Costumes. I think it was Bride of Beetle Boss. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, because it was the red outfit that she gets married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this Beetle Boss. Yeah, so, so it's just like, oh, that's copyrighted, Bacon Lady. <laughs> but uh, oh, what else? Hold on, I had a really good one uh, pulled up because uh, they also have people of history in here but i think one of my favorite things in here is that you can be fog or you can be fog comma yellow 
Very distinct. You can't can't mix them up. You, so in order to dress as fog, you need to have smoke-colored net with a silk bodice and tulle scarf bound round your figure, long gray gloves, shoes, hose, and a fan all in deep gray. Wow. Okay. Wow. And in order to be yellow fog, you have to get a deep orange tool with a one skirt of gray tool, uh, a veil of gray over an orange veil falling from your shoulder, uh, and then hose, shoes, and orange gloves. What the fuck is yellow fog? I don't know. <laughs> yeah like mine's like it's when it's like the worst silent but deadly like uh, that yeah like i would like in cartoons when it's like it's not just a fart because a fart is is the gray it's the gray frog the, the gray frog the gray fog but yellow fog is when you just like like it's when you you're the driver and you click the lock windows button <laughs> And you're on the highway, so no one can like physically jump out. And then you just rip it. You just like like just just sliding through wrapping paper. Like you just glide through and destroy the car. And they're they're pressing the buttons. They're hitting you in the shoulder. And you're like, nope, you can't hit me. I'm driving. We're going 85. Which is yeah, that is yellow fog. That is yellow fog. I love it. I do want to say the thing that's my favorite that I just noticed is one entry above fog and I will read it to you. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is first. I'm just going to read the description. Black tulle dress veiled with dark blue gauze, wings of the same, low bodice, and a cap representing the head of a fly. <laughs> Someone came as a fly. And had to they, like because you didn't have plastic masks back then. They didn't have like what we have now. So someone had to make and design for someone else the head of a fly. Just like the massive eyes. And they're like, I get I don't think sequins existed. So, you know, that for these rich assholes, they had to have been jewels for yeah. the eyes to like get that mirrored well, effect. And going. like. You know, they were reading through like, OK, a black tool dress. Cool. Uh, dark blue gauze. All right, cool. Oh, wings. Interesting. OK, that's made from from gauze. Um, a low bodice. That's easy to do. But they have zero instructions on the material, on the whatever. It's just like make my head look like a fly. Like, you know, they went, hey, man, can you just call like a makeup artist or something like this is too much. Right. <laughs> good luck, bitches. Yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like that goes right along with a white duck, a cap that looks like the head of a duck with a frog in its beak. That is true. People don't know how to describe things very well. I guess every time you go as an animal in this book, they're just like, I don't fucking know. Make a hat. <laughs> yeah, they 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 looked like the animal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the best you can do is have a decent dress and then figure out a hat. Of course, my thing, even though, like, I guess there's a lot of people that did weird stuff. But if someone if I went to a party and they were like, it's nothing after 1940, any character like historical or fiction, uh, fictional character of history, you can go, but you have to make it authentic and use like have it made how they made it. Cool. You know, I'd go that you'd see an Abraham Lincoln, you'd see a whatever. If I saw 
at any point, someone dressed as a duck, a fly, <laughs> I one would be confused. Two, that's not a historical. You you, mi- you you failed. You missed the prompt. <laughs> you misunderstood. I'm sorry. Bye bye. Like I, if I was the host, are you kidding me? I'm not letting you in my party. I got you. We got swanky people back here. You get out. out. Get the get fuck out. out. Be like I spent ten thousand. I don't give da- ten thousand dams. You're getting the fuck out of my party. I'm sorry. You're gonna scare people. They're gonna not want to eat the food because you're a fly. The fucking prince of England is here. Yeah. What? You're gonna mess with Charles now? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, what? sorry. Not you, Strudel. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Why does the why does the prince sound cockney yeah listen <laughs> that's that's trevor getting upset as the host not <laughs> charles because the host is some cockney scrub <laughs> i guess so yeah like oh no no see, see here's here's my story as the host of this shrinkified uh party he was raised single mother uh in in not the best area of england uh but he rose to the top he he um, got into the best schools because he was intelligent and he, he um, was able to be sponsored to go to this boarding school uh, where he met his or not a boarding school, but like a university where he met his lovely wife, whose family had a lot of money and a lot of influence where he met, uh, was able to meet this queen who said, oh, I really need um, there, there's this party that has to happen. Uh, we need a host, we need someone to throw it all together. And I just don't want it to be me. I don't even want to go. This and is then the most I intense backstory. <laughs> For a character you've just improved. Yeah. I, I you need, took that yes I expect and, nothing and less. you I'm went with it. I, I think you misunderstood when I say I don't take notes. It's because I can do stuff like this. Anyways, to finish off, he, he gladly accepts. He says, hey, I know you well. I know what you want. I know what people expect of you. And I will make it full elegance. And so... Uh, this has happened and we have everyone coming up, but then only in the slightest moments, no one ever, none of the people at the party have heard him because he has worked on meticulously his new accent, his new presentation of himself. Uh, but when he gets angry, when he sees that fucking fly, he's just right out the door and, and then his accent comes back and everyone is shocked. And he's like, I'm so sorry, everyone. That was a uh, very distasteful of me. There was a fly. And they're like, oh, oh it's completely understandable, sir. <laughs> and then uh, we went on with the party. So continue. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a three minute interlude. That was, just, that was wonderful. It was beautiful. Oh, Lord. Now I feel like my the rest of my thing is going to be no good after that. No, it's it's great. <laughs> Continue. OK, fine. So besides this book, uh, the guests apparently went to museums. They took notes. They they had people take sketchings of of paintings that are hanging in museums so they could just give that to their dressmaker and say, I want this. I want this thing. Um, and a lot of guests did actually go as like paintings of people um, at the party. There were no less than three Cleopatras. Uh, There were knights in shining armor. And I mean, literal, like, fucking metal armor. And I will send you a picture in just a second, Stephen, because it's ridiculous. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, like, literal, the best boyfriend. They were just knights in shining armor. (laughs) He just shows up with roses and he's wearing a tie and he's just like, hi, sweetie. How's it going? But did he bring treats? 
Did he bring anything to no, like No, he's going to make me some popcorn on the stovetop. Oh, he like once he enters the home, yes. he hands the flowers and makes the snacks. Okay. Yeah, he's making me dinner in my own home. In your own How home. How wonderful is that? Wow. Night so, in training so armor. What a nice right. guy. My mind went to find me this boy. <laughs> <laughs> my mind went to so you mentioned these three Cleopatras and guys in action. My, my mind really went to that couple maybe not even a couple yet but there's this guy who really really likes this really well-to-do woman and trying to think of ways to win her and he got this invitation to this fancy dress party he finds out that she did it well and finds out that she's going as cleopatra and i've got to woo her i've got to got to impress her so he goes as a knight in shining armor with the roses and attempts to woo her and so he's following her around the party and trying to she's just having so she just groups up with her cleopatra's and they all talk about <laughs> the knights in shining armor. Just uh, a gang of Cleopatras just yeah. flipping their hair. It's and being like, like the Heathers. It's <laughs> just the gang of Cleopatras. Uh, I thought you were going to say, like, he's following her around and she's not having it because he is just clank, clank, clank. 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 And yeah. it's really giving her a migraine. I, see, I was thinking she was not having it because it's just like, buddy, you're not even in my era. We are several hundred years apart. Here. It would never work. You're from the 1500s and I'm from the BC. <laughs> but also you're ugly as sin Dan <laughs> yeah Dan you're not so good yourself Susan yeah. and then she takes a, a champagne bottle slams it up against the corner and is like you want to fucking say it again and then it's the, this turns into the ultimate battle of the rich people 1890s let's fucking go <laughs> this is actually the uh, the birthplace of <laughs> it's a long and great tradition. <laughs> Every ring instead of UFC, it has uh, just a painting of P Cleopatra in the center. <laughs> as a, a night towering. Yeah, and a night towering. <laughs> uh. mm, funny. So uh, also included, there were Valkyries uh, carrying their nine foot like spears and shields and yeah. Let me let me find this picture of you because these Valkyries are awesome. It was actually two sisters who pretty much are wearing the same uh, outfit. This is and, amazing. And they are wearing um, like actual like the huge feather headdresses and they oh, have like yeah. real pointy spears and they have the tiniest waists I've ever seen. But they are wearing like long white skirts and they have like actual chain mail armor tunics. Like this it's is so sick. This is so. Um, I can't remember the Looney Tunes episode. I don't know why I'm keep making Looney Tunes. Oh, it definitely is like Bugs, Bugs Bunny, Bunny and the Armor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like without the blonde braids, but their hair, like their, their hair is definitely their down. Their hair is, is, is coming out. Yeah. This is very. Yeah. Steven, you seeing this? Are you seeing these beautiful, beautiful women? I am. I, I still just can't move past how tiny their waists are. Yeah. Their waists are like that was the corset coming into play. Oh, for Hardcore. Sure hardcore corset but like i don't think i like this is actual shiny metal armor that they are wearing right now like i've heard horror stories of women who lived in that time of that had to wear these tight bodices that uh i can't remember exactly where i read it but like there was stories of these females getting these bodices tightened onto them that sometimes it would even break ribs Oh, I'm sure it did. And like, it really feels like they had to have been waist training for a very long time. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, sure. But 
besides these badass Valkyries, I'm sending you a picture of uh, a man named Lord Rodney, and he's this King Arthur, and he's literally wearing like a suit of armor. And he's it's it's amazing like this is dan this is the guy this is dan this is dan (laughs) get away from cleopatra dan this is the guy (laughs) i I mean i gotta be honest i would run away from that late 1800s mustache too absolutely (laughs) look at that stash like everything else is fine but the mustache is a little too much it's too far out you see in that? Yeah, it's definitely like the major, like he's curled the ends of it. He got that mustache wax and was like, mm, twirly, twirly. It's slowly <laughs> turning into like Heath Ledger Joker scars to like, me. Like mm. the way it's coming out. <laughs> uh. But um, but good on you, Rodney. Yeah, but good on you, Rodney. Uh, Dan yeah, Rodney. Just, Is this who we just created? <laughs> no, we just created Lord Dan, Dan Rodney. Rodney. <laughs> apparently, oh. apparently outfit was based off of uh like Tennyson's uh idea of of King Arthur. So thanks Tennyson for yeah. this beautiful man. One thing I want to point out is that all of these portraits that all these photographs that have been taken of all these costumes were taken in front of painted backdrops that were painted specifically for like the eras that people were coming from. So our Valkyries are, their backdrop is uh, like a balcony of sorts looking out over like mountains. Whereas our, our dear darling King Arthur over here has uh, like, is that a dog? Is it a fur rug? It's a dead bear. Um, Yeah. I think it's a fur it's very fur rug. Type. Yeah, there's like a fur rug thing next to him, but his background is definitely like a medieval castle feel of like the inside of a medieval castle. Whereas like there's another lady who uh, went. Oh my god, Ooh, she's, I ha- she's Queen she, Titania. Yeah, she went as Titania, Queen of the Fairies. And she looks pretty ethereal, but like she's holding some fucking flowers and her backdrop is like a really misty wood type deal. Let me go ahead and share this with you. Yeah, you definitely can tell they I don't know if it's the pic, like the the quality of the picture, like maybe it was supposed to just be a forest, but this definitely looks like it's supposed to be like a forest with some fog. Yeah, it looks it's very foggy. It it could just be old timey photo, but it really is just kind of bananas. That looks like my mom. Oh, your mom was really pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Great grandma. Is that you? Great grandma. Was your great grandma a lady who once attended the 1897 Devonshire fancy dress ball? You know, a bit. I don't I know you meant like like a, like a lord and lady, but all I, I thought you were going to end it there. Was your grandmother a lady? <laughs> I believe so. I no, but believe she was what? a man. <laughs> okay, but these these costumes were fucking bananas. People went all out. I have one more. I, well, two more photos that I'm going to share. Um, I'm eventually going to give you a description of what the hostess of this party wore. And also, I found a photo of it. It's the Duchess of Devonshire who hosted this, remember. Uh, And I will give that in just a moment. But I did just find a really fucking amazing photo. I don't even know what time period this is from. I can't figure it out. But it's it's. Oh, Lord, what does it say? Um, Mrs. McGuire as Dido, Queen of Carthage. 
anachronistically accompanied not by a man dressed as Aeneas, but by Major Wynn Finch, whose role is not recorded. But like this lady is wearing a headdress. That is the most magnificent thing I've ever seen. It's like she took a cereal box and was like, I'm going to put jewels and Leia buns on this. Oh, see what I see is I'm going to take... Uh, like a pot that you put plants in. Oh, it's flip, a really fancy flip, pot. Yeah. Flip it upside down and wear it and add wow. like a strap. Very nice. Oh, she definitely has. She's got a good like bejeweled chin strap situation happening. And I enjoy that the man next to her is definitely wearing like his doublet and hose. <laughs> I like whoever did this article definitely threw some shade because after they said like she was dressed as this and he was not this, but as something else that we can't tell. She said they put actually they don't look too odd together as her costume is not likely to be particularly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Some sh- I'm sure it's a heck of a lot more accurate than I'm willing to produce. Right. I don't like, even know who Dido Queen of Carthage actually is. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's pretty dang impressive. Looking at this, looking at this photo, it looks like you know they stationed him there first. They were getting him ready for the photo up, and uh, they said, "Okay, we're first name to take a photo with." I can set her name, but uh, she's going to be coming. And then, so like he's getting ready. Maybe he's like he's looking down and looking at where he's standing. And then all of a sudden, he looks up, and there she is, right next to him. And it looks like he's just like taken aback for a second. Like, oh, oh, wasn't he, expecting he that. He does look a little bit frightened, just like, mm, a little alarm. What, what, little alarm. What, what's this now? Now, so uh, I will say, Dido um, is um, in Aeneas, in, in the Aeneid, the old uh, Greek. Yes, she Greek is tragedy. in that's one of her things, and I, I think that's why uh, she fell in love with Aeneas. Um, and I think that's why it said that, why oh, it's like, weird that he didn't dress as that, oh. but. Uh, there's also a play by Christopher uh, Christopher Mar- Marlowe, who uh, was in Shakespeare's time, mm-hmm. um, wrote Dido, Queen of Carthage. Oh. So it was originally in the Aeneid or the uh, yeah, the, the Iliad. What am I saying? Yeah, the Aeneid. Um, so many, so many plays are going through my head right now. Uh, and then later was reintroduced into the world of theater by Marlowe. Well, there you go, then. Thank you, Google. So that's why it's probably not that accurate. It's two <laughs> characters from plays. Then <laughs> it's as accurate as she wants it to be. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is my concept. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, let's talk for a second about the Duchess of Devonshire, who was the host of this event. Uh, she went as Zenobia, Queen of Palmyra, who is a figure in ancient Roman slash Syrian history. I definitely had to Google that. I did not know who the fuck Queen, Pal- Queen of Palmyra Zenobia is. Um, but let me just... Uh, give you this picture really quickly and I'm going to describe for the listeners what she is wearing as was written in uh, I believe a newspaper clipping uh, about a month after this party had happened in the 1890s uh, so the Duchess of Devonshire, as Zenobia, Queen of Palmyra, wore a magnificent costume. 
The skirt of gold tissue was embroidered all over in a star-like design in emeralds, sapphires, diamonds, and other jewels outlined with gold, the corners where it opened in front being elaborately wrought in the same jewels and gold to represent peacocks' outspread tails. She's wearing a peacock dress. She does not look like a peacock, in my opinion. Um... This opened to show an underdress of cream crepe de chine, delicately embroidered in silver, gold, and pearls, and sprinkled with diamonds. It's just a nice little sprinkling. Just, I just, just, just a I'm sprinkling. just picturing like a seamstress, like getting just a little tin filled with diamonds and just like throwing them, just like taking little pinchfuls and throwing them on the dress, <laughs> and they just stick. Um. The train, which was attached to the shoulders by two slender points and was fastened at the waist with a large diamond ornament. She really likes diamonds. Uh, was green well, velvet. Diamonds are a girl's best friend, so. <laughs> I disagree. I've got a dog diamonds. and she's pretty great. <laughs> diamonds are a girl's best. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I really thought Stephen might have joined me uh, for a little fun duet, but uh, no, he doesn't like Marilyn Monroe. You. <laughs> okay. Well, all right then. Uh, where was I? Uh, Talking about diamonds. <laughs> I think her train was a green velvet of a lovely shade, uh, superbly embroidered in oriental designs, introducing the lotus flower in rubies, sapphires, amethysts, emeralds, and diamonds. Just take anything that's expensive and shine and throw it on this dress naturally uh with four borderings on contrasting grounds separated with gold cord the train was lined with turquoise satin i'm not gonna continue this except for to say a gold crown was encrusted with emeralds, diamonds, rubies, and a diamond drop at each curved end, and two upstanding white ostrich feathers in the middle. And the round the front were festoons of pearls and a large pear-shaped pearl in the center, falling on the forehead. This is more expensive than my house. This is... I, I don't think I've ever seen this much bling outside of <laughs> outside of a jewelry store so what you're trying to say is she would do real well really well in the rap game <laughs> she would do so fucking well in the rap game you don't even know she's wearing the chunky jewelry she she's just like her crown is like it kind of looks like a bedazzled toaster with some like pearl necklaces making loops on the side and then she's just got the one teardrop pearl down her forehead and then like the rest of her dress is just sparkly as shit with no sleeves if you're I'd, gonna be the host you have to you gotta be the best you gotta be yep. the best i don't know there was a lady in here who i'm i'm pretty fond of those valkyries if i'm being honest but there was a lady in here who was definitely wearing like, maybe she didn't have a sister couldn't do Valkyries. Couldn't do Valkyries. There was only one of her. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's a fair point. I don't know what her husband went as, but I really hope he went as Queen of Palmy. No, Queen. <laughs> Hello, bye. went as the Queen of Palmyra. They both walk out and they're just like, well, one of us has to change. <laughs> right. What if maybe the Queen is much more famous? And if he went as the king, people, people would be very confused and he'd just have to go, 
listen, it's an ensemble costume. It only works if I'm with my wife. <laughs> the Duchess made me wear it. I really wanted to go as Tony the Tiger, but yeah, <laughs> Tony the Tiger. <laughs> wow, that is the most the most important <laughs> historical figure uh, that I can imagine. So good on who, who is from before 1820? Yes, yes, but um, basically. The the way I'm going to end this is just by describing the way that uh, guests arrived, which was to a big fucking fanfare. And I mean, literal fanfare, because, quote, the courtyard was brilliant, lit brilliantly lit with multicolored lamps and the saloons were covered <laughs> in roses and Chatworth palms as carriage after carriage rolled into the courtyard. They were met by Egyptian trumpeters and inside servants waited on guests garbed as Egyptian footmen or in full oriental dress. So they arrived to actual trumpets going like they were hardcore. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. So stupid. (laughs) Now I'm picturing like I know they probably paid they probably paid for (laughs) professional like they didn't just hire some guy off the street to play these trumpets but I really like to imagine like the scene in the music man where the children are like just starting to learn how to play music <laughs> and so maybe you have like the one guy who's the lead that would like he he tells them when to pick up the trumpets put them down and so he's and then everyone's <laughs> just like all these children and they're trying so hard so everyone walking in is like they're they're not mad because it's kids. And Since it's full Egyptian dress, I want to know if they're wearing like full like robe things going all the way to the floor or if they did like the stereotypical kind of racist version of just like you get to wear a vest with no shirt underneath and you're wearing puffy pants <laughs> for Egyptian. Yeah. See, I just picture like, you know, where they have they're all like, dressed as mummies where they're like shirtless <laughs> and they have like the one long like gold and navy strip that goes down the front and the back yeah. with sandals. But if they're shirtless, I really hope they were like well oiled. So if the trumpeting was <laughs> right. bad, at least going past, you could just be like, oh, oh it's one of those like, oh. as they walk by, they're like, you're so pretty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they walk by and they're like, oh, thanks, man. Everybody's telling me I look really good today. And like, this is really good confidence booster. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, it's because you really suck at trumpeting. <laughs> <laughs> So that that is the end of my topic. The 1897 Devonshire Fancy Dress Ball. Uh, if if you really want a good laugh, go read Fancy Dresses Described. <laughs> because you can look at descriptions for how to look like fog. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel as an ad, like, a, like I'm watching a YouTube video now. No, like, like, like an ad pops up, and I'm like, okay, whatever. It's unskippable, of course. And it's like, hey there, uh, would you like to figure out how to look like a fo- piece of fog, or maybe even a fly? <laughs> well, we've got this great book, Fancy Dresses Described for 19.99. You can get this great book, and I'm like, please, I'm just watching a video. Right here. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I I wholly enjoy this book and like maybe one day I'll be able to oh my god there's one I just flipped the page and it's you can be a foot woman of the future oh my gosh <laughs> uh, black satin quilted skirt a maroon double breasted tail coat 
brass buttons, a black waistcoat showing beneath the jacket in front, and lace cuffs, wear hair powdered, and a tricorn black and gold hat. Why is this of the future? This just sounds... You, you missed the last one, which is the most important accessory. Oh, you need a gold-headed cane in hand. Mm. Oh, wait. Is it... Uh, see figure 19, which... It's her. That, oh, that, she does look fancy. She looks a little fancy. I don't know if I would call that of the future, though. Yeah, there's a drawing, but it definitely looks like a Victorian outfit. And they were like, yeah, foot woman, foot woman of the future. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Maybe Futuristic. Our, Hell yeah. our uh, foot woman will be a little bit fancier in the future than they are now. Hmm. <laughs> our foot woman will be wearing a jacket. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Wow, these ba- sorry, real quick, these basic ass bitches. Uh, what are you? I'm 14th century costume. <laughs> I'm not a person. I'm just <laughs> of the 14th century. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, and like most of these costumes, I'm pretty sure are specifically for women. Oh, yeah. I don't know if there's any dudes costumes in here. I mean, a dude could probably go as a fly. He just adjust. There's the peasant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but most of them are most of them. France is the first. You can go as France. You can just go as France. I love it. <laughs> That's great. I want that. I'm fun. <laughs> Sorry, we're having too much fun with this. Oh, I also like that there's you can just go as a gardener's daughter. It's simple. It's nice. You it's hold cheap. a basket filled with flowers. Yeah. <clears throat> Very nice. Okay, Trevor, what do you have for us? So I actually have a couple of smaller things rather than a bunch of bigger things. Um, So I'm going to talk about one. And actually, um, both of my things are actually things that have I said things enough? Dear God, you have said things about eight times. Both of the items in question are things that I want. And the the one I'm going to talk about a little bit later is something that I have said to myself probably three, two to three years ago. I said to my group of friends and myself, if I had as much money in the world where I could just blow it on whatever, it would be this. So I'll talk about that a little bit later. The first thing we're going to talk about is motherfucking Oprah Winfrey. That's yeah. right. The greatest, baddest bitch in the land. She is my favorite. And you get a car and you, you get, get a car. car. And you, you get a car. And you get a car. <laughs> yeah. So she, uh, just as myself, is a big fan of baths. And uh, Me to, too. to quote, I love creating, uh, what you say? Um, I major in bathtubs. I spend my time looking for the best possible bathtub a woman can buy. I love creating bathing experiences. Bath gels, bubbles, crystals, salts, lavender milks. I go prune. I go way prune. I've gone to sleep. (laughs) Same, (laughs) Oprah. Does she own her own Lush store in her house? She should. She said bathing is my hobby. So any kind of bath salts, bath oil, anything for a bath, you can get me. Um, So Next time I'm out shopping for Oprah's birthday. Right, you know. Like, someone's going to buy her something fancy, and she's going to be like, oh, well, thank you so much. And you're like, I went by Bath and Body Works and picked you up some some bath bombs. And she's like, yes! 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 <laughs> so, she, when she was on James Corden's late night show, or late, late night show, 
uh, promoting A Wrinkle in Time, they were all just kind of talking about uh, bath, uh, baths or, or like uh, his his quote is saying um, in my head, Oprah's bath is like a Roman bath that only you go in yourself. And there is and there are just general people around, like obviously making a joke, like people are just there because she's Oprah. And she says, well, I do have a hand carved bath out of marble and onyx. And so that made them all pause because there were a couple other of her co-stars uh, on the couch with her. That has made me pause. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> and she goes on to explain that not only is it big enough to fit a couple of people in it, but also that it was molded to her body. She laid down with like <laughs> casters in her most comfortable position and they molded and shaped and hand carved out of marvel and onyx her body so that when she is do you think she had to lay there the entire time as they just slowly chiseled her butt (laughs) oh gosh i hope not (laughs) of course (laughs) i'm sure they had to they had to cover her in all of that like purple goo that they make casts for oh yeah and just sit there for like an hour (laughs) um so she had that, and I gotta say, if you love bathing, yes, and you love your bathroom time and experience, I don't know if there would be anything better. Like if I had, if I was Oprah, I would absolutely do this, and I'd be like, you know what? I can afford to have something that I can't really stand in. I can shower somewhere else. This bath is going to be shaped to my butt. (laughs) (laughs) When you have Oprah money, you're going to spend it on something shaped like your ass. I'm surprised she hasn't bought the moon, honestly. (laughs) She's like, the moon is mine. And they're like, "Uh, uh, Miss Winfrey, you can't actually purchase the moon. She's like, I'm Oprah. I gave you a car and they're like dang she did give me my car I okay you can buy the moon I like that one of the women who was in her audience now is the sole proprietor of the moon and then like Oprah just comes I'm like you remember that time a few years ago that I uh, remember that time in 03 (laughs) when I gave you that car when I gave you that car I hear you're the person to go to if I want the moon. The moon. The moon. <laughs> like, well, we can only give you the dark side of the moon. And then uh, she's like, I'm well, not Pink Floyd. Yeah, Pink Floyd busted. And they're like, no, no, no. That is Oz. And they're like, ah, okay, fine. We can give you the bright side of the moon. But that's all. <laughs> we can't give you the whole moon. And she's like, ah, okay, fine. Um, is it at least the side that the flag is on? <laughs> and they're like, hey, we can move it. <laughs> we can go up there and move it for you, Oprah. Uh, yeah. If I had Oprah money, I would definitely spend that money on a hand carved bathtub shaped like my ass. Right. Like the only hope then (laughs) after that is that you don't get fat because otherwise you're fucked. You won't be able to like nicely fit. Secondary bath. Yeah. One bath and say, add 30 pounds to it. Add if if, if I gained 30 pounds, what would that bath look like? And then also make me a bath for what I look like right now. Right. And I would use the the now bath for a long time. I'd be in denial. I admit it. 10 pounds, 15 pounds. Like, man, this one's starting to get a little tight, but you know what? It's okay. And then finally, at that 20 pound mark, I would move over to the 30 pound one and be like, oh, there's so much space. This is great. I'm going to get 10 pounds just to get even more cozy. (laughs) I'm fucking Oprah. (laughs) I'm fucking Oprah. Uh, 
Okay, you said you had one other thing for us besides beautiful, beautiful Oprah's butt. I do, but you want me to save it for after Steven? It's kind of like a little choppy choppy, or you want me to say it now? I'll let you, yeah, you can go ahead and save it for after what Steven has for us. Okay, so I'll, I'll just finish this out. So, Steven, go ahead and tell yeah. us about your uh, <laughs> outrageous expense. Perfect. So, uh, again, with the title being outrageously unnecessary, so uh, I want to ask you both of you a question. What is something, you know, just one item? Obviously, we've said, we've said other things. What is one item, either personal or not personal to you, that so unnecessary but had all the money in the world if you had oprah money and what is like the one completely unnecessary thing that you would purchase oprah's bathtub Ooh, i would buy oh, oprah's bathtub. Oh, 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 oh. actually you know what you know what i want oh, you, you just say like i had something else but you know what let's run with it like you bust in you but you, you take a, a rocket to the moon where she now resides because she owns it. And right. you you get into you exit and you get into her um, moon dome and you walk in and she is she is in the bath and you're like, listen, Oprah, I need I'm going to need you to, I'm I'm gonna gonna need you to get, get out. out. And she's like uh, two problems. One. I'm very naked. Uh, so I don't really want to get out um, Two. Fuck you. <laughs> this is my bath. And no, so <laughs> Yeah, like what I want, I don't want a bathtub like Oprah's bathtub. Absolutely. I don't, that's garbage. I don't that's want garbage it. at this point. I don't she want has it. it. I don't want it hand carved for me or anything like that. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I want Oprah's bathtub so that is carved to Oprah's proportions. So what you're telling me is you want to know what it may be like. To be the little spoon for Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And sometimes you have to like, like you slide underneath to like, cause maybe it's like up high enough that you can get on the ground and slide under. And then you just kind of like wrap your arms and legs around the tub itself and you fall asleep because you're like, I'm snuggling Oprah. (laughs) It's my turn today. I just eventually camp out underneath the bathtub and have like pillows and blankets right. stored under there. You have it laid on its and side sorry. and like lifted a little bit so it's laid flat so that you can roll over after you, like <laughs> like I've read my book I've like I'm, I'm ready for bed I've had some snacks and you just roll over and you just hug that tub. <laughs> just hug it. Love mm-hmm. it. So, so if, that's she, what if I- she complains you would just say hey you know that bath? <laughs> that other one? The 30 pounds heavier one? I need you to gain some weight and move into that one. <laughs> wonderful so uh, so those of you that are listening think about uh you know what is something completely unnecessary that you would spend your money on if you had hella oprah um but my question is is what about a wonder of the world what if you could own pyramids like a literal wonder one well yeah one of the literal (laughs) wonders of the world what if you could literally own that if I could literally unearth the hanging gardens of Babylon, you know my ass would happily own it. Absolutely. That's not Absolutely. fitting back here. It's not fitting in your backyard. <laughs> it is not fitting in my backyard. No, I've already got a tree house in my backyard. That barely fits, so. Well, back in nineteen fifteen, there was an auction for a particular wonder of the world. And it was held by the Antrobus family, which was a premier kind of a wealthy family uh, in England. So this was um, right during World War One, right 
right previous to it, or actually right before the World One ended. So there was uh, an auction, and one particular man um, showed interest in this particular wonder of the world, and his name was Cecil Chubb. <laughs> That's Cecil Chubb. Gosh. That just makes me think of, you know, um, in the Sandlot. I can't think of his name, but the umpire. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it um, makes me um, think of like his father. Like he's not in the movie, but like who his father, because like he is definitely not a Cecil, but he is definitely a descendant of Chubb. <laughs> no offense to the actor, but <laughs> so his, maybe his dad is like this nice, soft spoken man. Or the kid in the Goonies who had to do the truffle shuffle. Oh. Oh, he's a Cecil. <laughs> so he actually, when he was younger, he actually went by a nickname. <laughs> oh my God. No. And what would you like it? to know what his nickname is? Please. Yes. Fred. What? Fred? Fred Chubb. Yep, Fred Chubb. And his name is Cecil. And he went by Fred. And he said, I'm going to be Fred Chubb from now on. <laughs> he's like, I don't like the name Cecil, Mom. I'm Fred. <laughs> So Cecil Chubb was born in Shrewton uh, in, in England, and he was uh, the son of Alfred and Mary Chubb. Uh, Fred uh, was a village saddler and harness maker um, along with his father growing up. He learned how to make uh, uh, harnesses, saddles for horses. Uh, he worked with his dad, actually, um, up until he was about 13, 14 years old, and then he worked part-time as a student teacher at um, this really kind of 40-20 school called Bishop Wardwood School in Salisbury. Um, when he was actually 17 or 18, uh, he actually met um, his wife, Mary Chubb, um, at a, uh, well, well, she will be Chubb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, say, ha- <laughs> hashtag Mary She didn't have the, the same last night with the same time, right? Obviously. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. He met it. At that point, I would be so mad if my maiden name was Chubb, and I meet this great guy. His name is Cecil. He's really nice. He's very kind, and we fall in love. And he and but like as time goes by, I realized I've never asked him his last name, and. Right. I'm like, I finally get to change my name after 18, 19 years or whatever. I finally get to change my last name from freaking Chubb. And Cecil, then it's, Cecil Darling. Nope. Cecil Darling, what's your last name? Chubb. No! Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. My dear, we, can't, we, we cannot be married. I just wanted a last name like Johnson. Yeah, Mary Johnson. It's so strong. <laughs> so, he, so he met Mary uh, at a cricket game. Uh, and for the life of me, I still don't understand the game. That game still, um, but it looks. I got to play that as a child. Yes. You're not rich enough, Stephen. No, I I'm got not. to play that in PE as a child. You played cricket in PE. I did because in in elementary school, my PE teacher was English, mm. and so he was like, "All right, small six year olds, we're gonna teach you how to play cricket." Yeah. I still don't get it. Six year olds. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Cecil, uh, going through college, he actually attended Christ College in Cambridge. Uh, mm. So obviously Cambridge, a very, very well-to-do school, very well-known. Uh, he was awarded a double first in science and law, which is essentially a Master of Arts and Bachelor of Law degrees. And he then uh, went on to become a barrister or a lawyer. Uh, so a barrister is the lawyer. 
Did not uh, know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Fun. Uh, fun word. Um, through, uh, through being a barrister, uh, through his law, um, he uh, amassed a pretty considerable fortune uh, for that time. Um, so uh, bringing up to speed uh, up to 1915, there was a auction again held by the Andrews family, a very, very wealthy family. Um, and several items were, were put up for sale. And uh, beforehand, Mary, Cecil's wife, sent him to the auction uh, to purchase some chairs. Uh, so, you know, he, he's got his little list. He's like, okay, what are the items on the list that I need to pick up for my wife? Chairs. Okay, good. Got it. So just one item. Okay. That's all he had to remember is chairs. All he needs to buy. So he goes to this auction and, you know, all these different items and things are, are being put up uh, for bid. And uh, I've never been to an, an actual, actual auction. Like that's something like personally, like I would love to have enough, like, nasty level of wealth just to be able to sit at an auction and be like you know just a nasty could, level just a nasty yeah. level and get your little uh, ping pong paddle and yeah, be able to I, like throw that in the air no, just but here's million. the thing here's the thing i wouldn't bid i would just sit around and watch all these people and be like you know i could outbid you if I oh you'd be that person if i really wanted to take this from you i don't want it but if i wanted to take it from you i could yeah, i could i'll lift up my paddle and it would be mine but no, that, 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 I, I think that would just be amazing. To go Even to for actual, a wonder like, of the world? You know? You know? Uh, you or know? would you get chairs for your wife? <laughs> um, have you met my wife? If I did not bring back specifically what Shelly asked me to, I would be a dead man. Absolutely. <laughs> Very true. Oh, yes. Shelly just and, uh, like, you didn't get Shelly just actually poked chairs. her head in and just nodded her head. And... <laughs> Well, the thing is, is like you, you would uh, watching from the outside of the house, you would enter with the biggest smile on your face. Yes. And then five minutes later, you would be running out of the house to your car with and driving away. Yeah. Sheer no, terror. You'd be driving back to the auction house. Yes. You'd be like, please take it back. Please take it back. Please take it back. Like, that, chair, that chair over there, please. Yeah. Driving back to just be like, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. <laughs> So Cecil Chubb is sitting at this auction in 1915 and this item was brought up and I, I just really want to know his thought process. <laughs> you know, I really, what you know, because it? It, it says that, you know, he, he purchased this particular item out of love for his wife. But I, I just really want to know, did he just have a really dumb guy moment, dumb <laughs> husband moment, or was there like something else behind this, you know, driving this need? And, uh, you know, cool, but actually I found a little bit of research on it. So, um, but this particular item, uh, building up suspense here was Stonehenge. That's right. He, he, he Stonehenge. Stonehenge. How, how much money did he spend on Stonehenge? He just was like, I want this awesome pagan thing i want rocks i want the stones <laughs> uh, so um actually stonehenge was kind of not officially but it belonged to the antrobus family since the early 1800s but uh, most uh, actually most of the antrobus family uh were, were males and they went to world war one and they died uh, oh that's war. fun so so it was kind of getting rid of the it it's getting rid of the taking. estate. <laughs> They're dead now. So um, so this lot it was actually lot number fifteen. Uh, it was Stonehenge with with thirty 
acres of adjoining downland. So not only did he get Stonehenge, but he got 30 acres of land surrounding Stonehenge. I hope to God he goes home and just be like, Mary, I got you something better than chairs. I got some property for us to build a new house on, and it's got the most amazing view. You can make chairs out of that. (laughs) (laughs) So the bidding began at 5,000 pounds. Uh, which began to rise, uh, it rose very, very quickly, uh, but it stopped at 6,000, um, and nobody was bidding it. Uh, because nobody fucking wants Stonehenge! <laughs> the, uh, so, the auctioner, whose name was Sir Howard Frank, uh, Sir Frank was not very impressed, and he actually even voiced his disappointment vocally to all the crowd that was there of how poor the bidding was for this lot. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, you know, br- berating the audience for how terrible they're bidding. And uh, eventually a man stood up and purchased Stonehenge for the sum of 6,600 pounds, which is roughly right around, oh gosh, it says here, um, 96, so 962,000, so almost a million dollars. Almost a million dollars in today's money. Cecil Chubb stood up and bought Stonehenge and went home to his wife and said, I didn't get your chairs. I got your Stonehenge. I spent all of our savings. <laughs> Not even that. I spent almost a million dollars on our, <laughs> of our savings. Oh. So, <laughs> on Stonehenge. Out so, in the middle of the plains. <laughs> and then he starts like slowly taking his shirt off because he's like, she's oh, so going to want to bang after I tell her that I spent a <laughs> yeah, million exactly. dollars. And yeah. she's like, you better put that shirt back on or I'm going to you rip fight. your skin. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, his chest hair. Oh, yikes. It was speculated, you know, obviously you know, that apart from purchasing this out of love for his wife, because obviously, I mean, he. He had good intentions. He had good intentions of of this amazing piece of land and property. You know, he had, he had all the best intentions, but just his follow through, and he didn't think. He just didn't think. <laughs> he had you know, a guy so, moment. Absolutely. So I can imagine him, you know, going home and, and saying this, and she's just like, "Well, uh, you're not getting any for the rest of your life." You know, one of those things. Um, but also, there's another rumor is that Cecil also bought Stonehenge to prevent it from falling into. The as he said, that they seem to be settling their sites on antiquities everywhere. So he wanted to purchase it to make sure the Americans didn't buy it. I mean, possibly paintings. Like, possibly, like, they're just like, ooh, I like this fancy painting. I don't see, I think can't see the American, Americans being, yeah. I don't okay, think no. they're going to, like, take stone I think you're, mis- you're misunderstanding Americans. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that is the exact <laughs> thing. Like, we come from a lot of British Empire stuff. And That's yeah. true. We did have a whole section of our history called Manifest Destiny. Yeah, it's, <laughs> right. oh, I can own this and live in America, but also own something over there. And it has thousands of years of, of history. Let me just mm. destroy that. Oh, God, I hope they wouldn't destroy it. I hope they would just keep it <laughs> to be like, I am Stonehenge. <laughs> well, there aren't any people in Stonehenge for the Americans to to exploit. So. I just so want I'm, the stones. Uh, <laughs> I just want the stones. <laughs> Give me the stones. Uh, I'm uploading and I'm sending you guys right now. I'm sending you to a, a copy of actually the lot ticket for Stonehenge. 
Yes. Okay, wait, let's see. <laughs> Quote unquote Stonehenge, lot 15. Yeah, that makes me think that it's not actually Stonehenge. Like, if I was at that auction, like, oh, mm-hmm. like, like a model? <laughs> I love that there's like land tax and. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, I hate it. Oh, what does it say? I can barely read it, but it. I know, it's hard to make out. Oh no, I love this. This is so crazy that Stonehenge was legitimately <laughs> up for auction and uh, someone that crazy? bought it. <laughs> Wait, what is this? It says Stonehenge has been scheduled. Oh, has been scheduled something. The ancient monuments collection. Oh, uh, Stonehenge has been scheduled under the ancient monuments uh. collection and something act 1913 amazing so like two years beforehand was when they were like sure Hmm. this is something special this these stones are special these are special stones special special um so yeah so um uh so cecil actually only owned it uh for about three years and then he actually gave it back to uh the land and um, i'm also sending you guys a a deed uh, of Stonehenge uh, sent by Cecil Chubb to the English people and he wanted to give it back and with the requirements that locals uh, would always get in free um, however any outsiders would uh, be charged at that point he said uh, he wanted outsiders to be charged admission uh, for the cost of less like less of a shilling um, which is Oh, um, Cecil sounds like a good man. Like today, I like, I like his heart behind this, but I'm still like, poor Mary deserved those chairs. Today they charge uh, per person twenty five dollars uh, admission. Well, that doesn't feel too excessive because I mean, like I have paid fifty dollars to get into the San Diego Zoo. So right, wait for just you. Yeah. This really? Yeah. That zoo is That's a very San Diego expensive zoo. zoo. Yeah, that's yikes. So, um, okay, so that's my major one is somebody owns Stonehenge. So there you go. I'll, I'll, something <laughs> completely out unnecessary. Wait, yeah, you know? wait, but how does Mary feel about this? The fact that her husband came home with Stonehenge as a birthday present. Well, you know, actually, he uh, he ended up dying, you know, relatively early. I think, you know, he passed away like around 1930 something, 1936, something like heart disease. His wife outlived him. Oh, no. His so, wife so didn't die what, wait, until 2003. At the age of 99 years old. Years. That is almost a hundred so years. many years of, of life after him. He spent a million dollars in today's money on Stonehenge for her birthday, and she didn't even get to keep it. No. You, see, you said he kept it for a couple years and then just kind of yeah, gave it he away. He kept it for three years and then gave it back to the land for free. And Mary's just like, okay, I know I said I didn't like it that much, but <laughs> I expected it was something mine. out of it. <laughs> like, and right. you know that, like, when, when she got it as a present, she goes, well, as long as you bought it, we're going to have to go and use it. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're going to have to go there at least but she twice didn't even get a to year, use it. Cecil. She didn't get to use it? Mary. I mean, Poor I mean, Mary. 
I mean, only like a year, I guess. A so, year yeah. or so. And then, and then, yeah. So the, and then and he just, deeded it away, which that's a very fancy looking deed that you sent us. It's It's got the very loopy cursive yes, script. Very fancy. Very, very nice fancy. calligraphy. Damn. But you just imagine from, from, from when he died to like 36 or 37, 1937, till 2003, you know, she, you had to know she, she always had 60, to carry that with her. 60 years of being pissed, but having nowhere to put it. <laughs> <laughs> she just goes, she goes and visits there and sees school children just sitting there and she's just like, this was mine. <laughs> <laughs> this was mine. I own this. We own this. And now it's nothing. It was my birthday present. <laughs> it was, she she walks up precious. and they're like, all right, ma'am, that'll be a shilling. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't have to pay. It was mine. <laughs> do you think do you think that that's like a portion of the deed? Like one of the one of the little, little amendments yeah. is just that Mary gets in free for the rest of her life. Yes. Anyone oh, who sure. is a member of the Chubb family. Yes. <laughs> yes. Chubbs get in free. Uh, free Chubbs over here. Chubbs get in free. <laughs> People misread it and it's just like they, they, they're like huge and vastly overweight. Oh, and they're like, no. what do you mean I don't get in free? <laughs> like, listen, we not that kind of Chubbs. Not that so. kind of a Chubb. Yeah. And we have to know that you're a Chubb who is related to our Chubb. <laughs> Any old Chubb cannot just get in here. <laughs> Any old uh. Chubb. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Oh, lesson to be learned. I think is just when your wife sends you. Absolutely. Get what she get what she she asks for. She doesn't want anything more spectacular. Like if she's just been like, please, baby, I just want chairs for my birthday. You go fucking get those chairs and don't come home with stone edge. So like the next little thing I have is just super, super tiny. Um, but it's just because I think this guy is super, but uh, <laughs> bringing it back up to 2006. Um, let's talk about Tiger Woods for a second. Okay. For all oh you golf, lo- golf lovers out there, um, whatever your opinion is of Tiger Woods, I'm sure it's highly justified, whether it's good or bad. Um, but in 2006, uh, he bought uh, some property on Juniper Island, which is kind of right off the Florida. Uh, he bought this property that had a 13-year-old mansion on this property. He bought the property for $40 million. He then, and it says he promptly stunned neighbors by raising the 13-year-old mansion to the ground. So he <laughs> bought this mansion, destroyed it. $40 million. And destroyed it. He then went on to spend an extra $20 million on construction of a new brand new state of the art mansion. So he which spent is now yeah. 60 million dollars on plus whatever the destruction cost. Yeah, so oh, probably like an extra half million. I don't know what destru- destroying a bunch of buildings it would cost. It's expensive. Right? Like, I can imagine. Oh god. Yeah, so so yeah, so let's just say 6 let's just say yeah, Trevor, let's just say 65. Yeah, 65 uh Sixty-five million dollars, or yeah, sixty-five and a half million dollars, and that's what he, you know, that's what he spent to raise this mansion on the ground, raise this mansion to the ground, and build his own brand new state-of-the-art building 
that had five different buildings. He had a main house, a guest house, a golf training studio, a boathouse, and a massive garage. He also had a private golf course put on the property, as well as he had two massive boat docks, one of which stores <laughs> two massive boat docks. How do you, which, like, not just the one? He needs two. two. I need two. <laughs> I like that he has a golf training house, but then he was like, might as well have a course to go along right. with this. So what is right, the point absolutely. of your golf training house when In it's case, raining yeah, outside? Yeah, the, the couple days it rains, but you need to play. <laughs> right. Um, so the, the funny thing, I think this is so, so funny, so ironic, is one of these boat docks, excuse me, stores his 155-foot yacht in privacy. <laughs> and I think it's so ironic because all you golf and tiger fans will remember back in 2009, there was a huge cheating scandal that came out uh, where tiger was cheating on uh, his wife. Um, but not only with this one lady, actually with several uh, waitresses, uh, playboy models, uh, random females off the street. I mean, I don't know who knows, you know, he just grabs but, one in his life, just grabs hey. one. And says, hey, I'm tiger. Come with me. <laughs> Why is he the terminator? <laughs> hey, I'm tiger. Come with me. <laughs> come with me. If you want to, uh, no. anyway, Steven, <laughs> this is a family show. Damn it. It is not a family show. <laughs> so, no, it's not. So, okay, but the, the the thing that I find, okay, so that's one thing is that, you know, God, his name is privacy, but obviously <laughs> there are things that shadows and skeletons in his closet that yeah. became known to the public. But I, I was, I was reading and apparently he was so freaking cheap with these other women. Supposedly he didn't buy any of them, anything, never treated them, never really did anything for them, except one of them, which was a waitress. He bought him a Subway sandwich. <laughs> so not in the sense of like, I'm Tiger Woods. I didn't spend like I didn't take you to a jewelry store. I didn't uh, buy you a car right. in the sense of I spent zero dollars on you. But my favorite she gets a six-inch sub. <laughs> and I get it's only a six-inch sub and not a foot long. Like, he's not willing to spend the five dollars. No, foot, foot long's too much. <laughs> foot long is too much. And, like, you know, like, now she knows that she is the favorite because she has the sandwich. Yeah, yeah she probably thought that he just hated her. He only paid for Subway. It was ridiculous. Right. He must he must think I'm the worst because I know he's got to have some other girls, too, too that he's just given the life of oh, luxury. Oh, and then when the scandal comes out and she like meets all the other women, it's just a matter of just right. like, yeah, you, you didn't know, get anything. You know that you she, didn't get anything. I got a sandwich. I got a sandwich. Yeah, she probably started it and was like, he, he treated me this way, and he only got me Subway. It was nothing compared to you guys, and they're all looking at each other like this bitch. <laughs> So, that so, yeah. so he's a douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. He is a douche target. Douche tool. Douche tool. There we go. Douche, douche tool. tool. We, <laughs> we just get a button for him, pin it on his chest, just write douche tool. 
Why do I feel like I could pick that up at Target? We <laughs> <laughs> were just there today. Didn't you I know. See one? I missed it. It was in the. It was in the. the you know that uh, does the uh, maintenance. <laughs> that stuff. does sound like a Target anemone. Yeah, I got, you can get anything you want. I got my soap. I got my uh, gosh, like my shaving kit, and I got my douche tool. So. I got the douche tool. <laughs> yeah, Trevor, do you uh, do you still like robes? Yeah, I love robes. <laughs> I, I wore it the oh. other day. <laughs> no, it just random. Just made me think of this. I don't know why you're talking about all this stuff you're buying. Like, I wonder if you still like robes. Because hmm. <laughs> I said I, I. <laughs> Went to Target and got soap, a shaving kit, and a douche tool. That made you think, hmm, I wonder if St- Trevor still likes to wear his winter robe every once in a while. No, okay, but now that I'm picturing, like, picking up your douche tool at Target, I'm just picturing going to Target and there being, like, a bin filled with Tiger Woods, and you just kind of pick one up, and you're like, nah, stick it back. Yeah, I don't need that today. <laughs> don't need that today. I'm not treating myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so yeah, so, that's it. That's it for me. Oh, those were so good. Oh, yeah, they were very different. <laughs> Both involved a man who was married not uh, thinking. and not thinking and making interesting but poor decisions. <laughs> I would say that Cecil Chubb's decisions were infinitely better than Absolutely. Tiger Woods' decisions. <laughs> That's why I said interesting. Oh, oh agree. <laughs> Not good. Uh, yeah. One is a poor boy. One is a douche tool. <laughs> there's, no, there's no better word. There's that no feels like word. the title of this episode. <laughs> One is a douche tool. One is a douche tool. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I'm going to wrap us up with my I, I discovered this, I think, like I said, either 2015, 2016 and instantly fell in love with it, instantly knew, even though there would be no point to it, no purpose. I want it. So there was a man. He is an artist. He um, has done a few things. His name is Maximo. Uh, R I E R A Riera Riera I think is how you would say yeah. that yeah Maximo Riera and he one of the things that he has done that he has constructed or um, designed I guess um, were chairs and some sofas and they were a collection of different animal species uh some of them were um like an octopus chair is one of them uh there was a walrus chair there's an elephant chair um but the thing about it is and the one that i'm going to talk about is there's one that is a love seat that is a hippo but they are realistic in both size and design in the sense of like if you look at it, what? The, yes. If you look at it from the other side, it's it's some of them are completely black. Some are more of a um, like a tannish. Oh, damn. Strudel got her squeaker toy. Can you hear that? Oh, yes. <laughs> I hid it from her and she's just like, I got it. I found it. I found the thing. Yeah. Um, so. They're handcrafted and the materials that that to make them, the outside is um, 
polyurethane. The seat itself is a fine leather, and then the frame inside is made of steel. And it weighs, uh, so let me look. The, um, real quick. Okay, yeah, so it's supposed to be a one-to-one size. Um, so this is like an actual, yeah. like, if you have hippo. If you have something pulled up, Stephen, look up um, Maximo Riera's Hippo, and you will find it. Um, but it is about, let's see, about 200 pounds and. Oh my goodness. Yes. So they were. Oh my. Yeah. I think it says 20 made of each of the things. Uh, it says about 1.4 meters tall. It's about three meters wide. Um, and this would go yeah, beautifully in my dining room. Yeah. The 20, 20 were made of this specific one. And I've seen two separate prices for this couch. One, I guess, is when they were first set, like the first few that were sold, I guess. And then the uh, the next number is as they're getting kind of closer. I'm not sure. Um, but I found multiple sources of both prices is why I say this. Um, but a quote from him on why he did it is uh, it said whilst considering the chair's basic functionality i also wanted to bring it alive make it more present and create a stronger link between the spectator the piece and the surrounding space which is so that's such an artist thing to so say so artsy yeah absolutely and and kind of cocky this with, is this is like a literally Big ass wrinkly hippo with all of the rolls of flub. And like, I just pulled up pictures of this and I love that there is a black version where everything like the, the hippo is black. The, the seat cushions are black, but then there is a tan version where the hippo is like this really gross green color, this green tannish white color. And then it's like a brown leather. It looks like someone took a bite out of the hippo. Yeah, it's exactly like they made a full hippo and then just cut this thing out. But Stephen, if you were to guess without looking it up, how long just like a, just like a normal couch, a normal sofa, how how many how long do you think it takes to make? A normal like, sofa? Okay. Yeah, just like I, a normal. Can, I can make an IKEA sofa and like uh, I'm going to say probably just one sofa with um wood, steel or no like sorry, wood sort of metal cloth i would say probably four to six weeks for a decent couch but like how many hours do you think they're putting into that how many hours oh i'd say probably maybe uh eight to ten hours a day eight to ten hours a day for a few weeks yeah okay about four, to, about, about four to six weeks okay uh just one of these there's 20 of them and then he also has um other th- other things in the series right. um like the octopus yeah there's an octopus there's an elephant one yeah that um, octopus is cool yeah it took just one of these it takes 400 hours that's a long time to, for a couch to, to oh make this couch um yeah it's pretty dang insane so the price the lower of the prices that i'm seeing is for for this couch this is an oprah couch yeah it's it's listed as one of the most expensive couches uh the other price which is um i don't know when it became this price or if it was just 
different places, uh, but it's $108,000. Oh my gosh. Uh. For this rhino or this hippo couch. Is, does it just me or does it genuinely feel like this couch would fit in very well with like the the Beetlejuice furniture that like <laughs> yeah. the new owners yeah. bring into the house? Right. <laughs> yeah, I definitely could see that. Yeah, I can see I can see the mom being like, no, I made this. <laughs> right. Um yeah, it looks like all the other stuff, at least that's still on his website, a lot of it is like they're cut out. Like it's not the full animal. Like there's an elephant head and like front feet and then so it's a chair. Torso. Yeah. Uh, but this one is the full, like all expenses paid full hippo. Big freaking hippo. Yeah. But that being said, the second I saw it, even though I'm not even the world's biggest hippo fan. I saw this chair and I said, I absolutely, if I had just Oprah, Oprah money, money mm-hmm. this would Oprah be money. like, this would be a thing that y- you enter my home. This might be one of like, you turn to the right to where you look into the, the living room. You're going to see this freaking hippo and I'm, I'm probably going pos- to I'm probably going to position it where you don't see the seats at first. And you think there's a, just a, just a damn hippo in my house. Like you're going to be really confused if I know that you're coming over for the first time, especially. Oh, that's I'm going to central. Yeah. I'm going to position it where I'll say come in from like a different room and you're going to walk in and three feet in front of a door. You're going to see a hippo and get really scared and then confused and that would just be my thing that would be you just become the eccentric millionaire of like like that's when guests start warning each other like have you been to trevor's yeah. house have yet? you been to rodman's yeah. house yeah and <laughs> like just play along with it he thinks it's really funny but like when you walk so in there's gonna oh, be a life no see that's though. the thing if it got to a point where I knew people were warning other people about it, boom, new prank, new pranks coming. You're not going to know. Is Do I have something falling from the ceiling? Maybe. Is it the octopus chair? Maybe. Who knows? Is it a couple hundred pounds and maybe I shouldn't drop it from the ceiling? Maybe. But it's coming. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Well, that's. I think that's a pretty good dream. I'm still going to be aiming for the Oprah bathtub, though. Uh, <laughs> okay well thank you boys for joining me and being my yeah. guest while katie's out dealing with her very broken air conditioner yes of course okay yeah. yeah thanks so much for being on the show so i guess i'll go ahead and say goodbye all right goodbye goodbye thank you for visiting the country club Hopefully you managed to be unscathed from Sir Reginald's unexpected nudity. I know the swans will never be the same. Send questions, comments, or ideas to outrageouslyunnecessary at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates. Tot top.